It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way, and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe, on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower on the horn. Craig Way with you. Jeff Howell joining us later uh, this hour with a second hour Longhorn Notebook. However, without further ado, I want to go straight to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina hotline and uh, have it, take the opportunity to visit with our good friend, the assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals, who handles Major League Scouting. That's Gene Watson, who joins us still from – no surprise, surprise, Arizona, right? Uh, did, does it get to this point in spring training, Gino, where you get a little antsy about it, or has that been broken up because of what happened with the uh, World Baseball Classic and getting down to see that? Completely broken up because of the World Baseball Classic, but when you come back, now I'm flying to Austin tomorrow for the Longhorn Texas Tech baseball game for a dear friend, uh, but you – uh, you get into hustle mode where it's about getting packed, getting your office packed. You accumulate so much stuff in the 45 days you're out here. You got to get a big box, ship everything home. So it's a little bit of chaos going down to the final 48 hours before you get on the plane to head home. <laughs> and 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 when you do get on the plane to head home, you are truly ready to head home, right? There is no question. And you get a few days, and then. Next Thursday, it will all start up again, and the uh, high-speed rodeo begins. So really looking forward to this season. All right. All right. So first and foremost, let's get your review uh, there on the on the WBC because uh, you were there for it, uh, for the World Baseball Classic, and such drama, so many dramatic things happened, uh, and not just in the championship game, and not just in the semifinals, and not just in the quarterfinals, but it seemed like we had some bit of drama almost every night in one, if not more than one game played on the day. Craig, it was, it was truly one of the most incredible things that I've seen in my 34 years in the game. And really when you talk about 20 countries starting competition and when Bud Seeley began this event, when he, when he brought it to the players association in 2005, you know, the players were completely on board with it. And as you look over time, how the rosters have grown, uh, how, how more participants for Great Britain and uh, the Pacific Rim Clubs. And it, it's, just, it's just grown to be an incredible event. But every team kind of had one storyline, whether it was a player playing for that country to honor their mother that had passed away in a Freddie Freeman or a, a pitcher that had been retired for three or four years that wanted their children to see them pitch one time because they were old enough to remember and to take all of the bylines that, that go into building a team and the competition and, truthfully, the parity when you've got Great Britain beating a Columbia, to take all of that to get to a United States versus Japan final and then to have Shohei Itani facing Mike Trout with the tournament on the line, I don't think that the, the Federation and Major League Baseball could have dreamed up uh, a better scenario, and, and it shows in the television attendance, 
It shows in the 1.3 million people that attend the event. And in 2026, this event's going to even be better than it was this year. Would it be safe to say, Gino, that even as much uh, spirit of, uh, of the American spirit that we saw from those who played on Team USA, that it might even have meant a little more to those playing the internationals playing for their countries because of what we hear. And, and of course, there's the downside of it. You know, Altuve, of course, uh, getting getting the uh, the fractured thumb, you know, that, that sort of thing happening. But those guys taking such incredible pride in representing their countries, uh, that, that that was on display perhaps even more so. Maybe we're all just a little bit jaded with regard to U.S. players. But I know you probably saw guys that were very, very – pleased to be representing Team USA, just as we seem to see it highlighted how much the guys were in, uh, who were playing for the international companies, uh, countries were uh, representing their nations. No question. And, you know, Jap- uh, Japan has their, their, their championship and Korea has theirs. And in every Caribbean league, the Dominican, uh, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Venezuela have their champion. And then they play in a Caribbean World Series. And Major League Baseball – has its champion with the World Series each year, but this has become the one event where everybody can truly represent their country and show, you know, what baseball means to their country. And I think what we saw from the Japanese club is absolutely incredible. We didn't even see some of their best pitchers. And the team that they rolled out was absolutely incredible. So now you begin to say to yourself, okay, what is it that – the Japanese professional league does that we do or don't do in major league baseball the most. And I was at both sites in Phoenix and Miami. And the most incredible thing to me was like meeting fans from Venezuela, meeting fans from Puerto Rico, meeting fans from, from great Britain that some were highly educated and very passionate. And some were still growing as baseball fans. I don't think the country understood what Cuba playing in Miami, Florida, how passionate the Cuban-Americans were about that game. I left 10 tickets for Cuban-American fans that are friends of mine that wanted to be at that game because of what it represented to the Cuban-Americans. And so there's a political side to this. There's a representation of your nation side to this. And when you look at it from a U.S. standpoint, coming off the Super Bowl, March Madness is going on, opening days right around the corner, it just doesn't have the same passionate feel to our fans, to the players it does, but it hasn't really captured the United States audience yet because of everything that's, that goes on around it. But in being around Team USA and speaking to the players, and you know, we had two players on the club that didn't get a lot of action, and it's going to set them back to start the season in Brady Singer and Bobby Wood Jr. But I, in speaking to them, I'm like, this would be like Pat Mahomes going to two weeks of a Pro Bowl and hanging out with, with Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, and you would never not want that for a young player. So the long-term residual for our players is going to be so much greater than the short-term residual of them not being truly ready to go 100% on opening day. But, but it's, it's truly incredible how when you get deep into it, how each country, the passion that they show for their country and the game in their country is truly amazing. Hey, Gino, I'm kind of curious. Those tickets you left for that uh, Cuban-American family, were any of them related to the kid who defected? <laughs> the catcher? No. 
No, and you know, even like even like Ubering to the ballpark, Cuban Americans that weren't even baseball fans just could not believe that Cuba was playing in Miami. And yeah. and and fundamentally, yeah. it seemed like the players that had defected and are over here playing that went back to play for the country. That's where the fundamental differences of. Uh, were, were involved between the Cuban Americans and those players. So, and sure. that game was absolutely sure. insane with the fans. It was crazy. No doubt about it. Gene Watson, uh, the assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals, joins us. Here. Hey, I have to tell this story. Um, I, I get back to my hotel room yesterday evening, and there in my room is a gift bag. And I thought, who sent me a gift bag? And it looked like it was kind of a chamber of commerce type thing. And it was like chips and some and some exo- and uh, some uh, really decadent chocolates and a bag of caramel corn and this incredible bottle of lemonade might be the best lemonade I've ever had in my life and it says enjoy Gene Watson look at Gino taking <laughs> taking care of me in your town I I appreciate that and I, I think I went through about half a bag of that caramel corn while I was watching the NCAA tournament last night but this is a great town I it always is and toward that end and thank you for the gift. I, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts, first of all, on your ball club, and then I've got some other uh, major league uh, spring training-related questions to ask you uh, here as we draw closer to the start of the season. First of all, you mentioned uh, a Bobby Witt Jr. and a Brady Singer. How, how are things with, with your ball club as, as you get ready on uh, on what has been this, this slow rise of the organization in retooling and rebuilding and rebranding and refashioning the Kansas City Royals? Yeah, it has truly been a big change um, with our president, Dayton Moore, being gone and our manager, Mike Matheny, being gone and our pitching coach, Cal Eldred, being gone. There's a new uh, way. There's a new energy. Uh, The players are certainly excited about the information that's been given to them. Uh, I think to a man, everyone on our roster is very excited about the rule changes that are going to be taking place in 2023, the balanced schedule, uh, we've got a very young club, a very exciting club, and we're excited about uh, the improvement that's going to be made in 2023. And, and uh, you know, it's been a big change culturally uh, from an information standpoint, from an energy standpoint. Our, our Matt Quattaro and Brian Sweeney and Paul Hoover, our manager, uh, pitching coach, and, and, and bench coach have been uh, kind of a new voice coming from Tampa and Cleveland. So it's been really exciting to see uh, things that are taking place with us right now. All right. Uh, I want to ask you a couple of injury-related questions and how you think it impacts the teams. First, I'm going to start with the obvious one with Altuve with the Astros, and that was so unfortunate, uh, uh, taking uh, the fastball there and uh, the the Astros. I won't say they've been guarded about it, but Dusty Baker said it's going to be a while, uh, that sort of thing. How about your thoughts on how it impacts the Astros? Well, it's it's a huge impact, not only the day-to-day culture of that clubhouse and the leader that he is in that clubhouse, but also him not being in the lineup, but they have a tremendous roster. Obviously Uh, they're going uh, for another world championship this year. They have a world championship caliber roster. And in really, you know, most teams going into the season for the first 40 to 60 games, just say, let's be 20 and 20, let's be 30 and 30 and find out who we are as a team let the upper levels of our minor system continue to improve in development. And then once you get 50 to 60 games in, then you start to talk about, okay, this is who we are. Now what do we need? And I, and I think the Astros are certainly not in panic mode by any means. He's going to be back at some point in the season. 
And so really it's just you know, keeping your head above water. Uh, and with a roster like they have and the track record that they have, they're certainly going to be fine. Great run by the Phillies last year, and and now they've got injuries to deal with. We knew, obviously, with regard uh, to uh, Bryce Harper with the Tommy John surgery. Uh, but Dave Dombrowski said that he's not going to open the season on the 60-day injured list. And um, – and then, and then if they had placed him on the IL to start, he couldn't be activated until May 29th at the earliest. And now you got Reese Hoskins, who suffered a left knee injury yesterday against the Tigers, subsequently carried off the field. He's got a torn ACL, uh, reconstructive surgery uh, on tap for that. How about your thoughts on the Phillies and how, how they're having to deal with these two injuries? Well, it's never good to take an injury – uh, but if you're going to take one and you take it on a wing infield position, you've got a situation where you can give Real Muto a day off, a DH, play some first base. You've got Alec Baum, uh, who is a, a tremendous young hitter that plays third base, that you can slide over there. So for a team like Philly, who who I saw last year in L.A. in May, in Seattle and L.A. really take off, and you you could see that team coming about midway through the season half half uh, halfway last year, but but truthfully, if you're going to take an injury, the wing infield spot is one with the DH and with third baseman that can slide over there, catchers that can slide over there. Uh, it's not as impactful as, say, you take an injury at the catcher position or it's a shortstop position or at center field. So they certainly have the manpower to overcome the injury. All right. And then with the Cardinals, uh, uh, Oliver Marmel, their uh, manager, said yesterday that Adam Wainwright is likely going to miss several weeks after suffering that strained groin during a workout on Tuesday. Uh, also, Paul DeYoung uh, suffered a setback in his return from the back uh, back uh, pain as well. Those two guys for the Cardinals. And then uh, the young player you like, uh, Rysel Iglesias, with the Braves, with that low-grade shoulder inflammation. How about your thoughts on those guys? Well, I, I really love this Cardinal roster. I, I think this has got a chance to be – one of the really sneaky teams in 2023. They've got one of the best young players in the game coming in, Jordan Walker. They've got uh, tremendous outfield depth with Dylan Carlson and Tyler O'Neill. Uh, the Wainwright injury certainly is problematic because he's kind of the glue to that rotation, and that rotation is kind of a, a linked together and more of a unit than one superstar. Uh, but this is a really, really sneaky team, and I, I think that they're going to be – in the midst of uh, of this division and, and into the playoffs, certainly into October. Uh, with Iglesias, you know, it's unfortunate, but the Braves have a very good minor league system. Uh, they've got a really good team, and I just don't think teams like that are ever going to really panic. And I, knowing Russell from when we were in L.A., uh, you know, he's probably going to toe the rubber a little bit sooner than, than most people would think because he's a true competitor. But really, really solid baseball teams that are built to win in October. All right, as we get ready to wrap this up, the most important question of all, fill in the blank, Kansas City uh, uh, sometimes resident employee, a full-time employee, best barbecue in this town is located at? Jack Stack. Okay, okay. There's a vote for Jack Stack. <laughs> I've been there. It's good. <laughs> no problem on that. No, no problem on that. And and you already gave me an Italian restaurant recommendation, so I'm gonna have to. I may have to. Uh, Garozo, yeah. got to do Garozos, yeah. and don't miss, don't miss half a dozen wings at the Peanut right around the corner from your hotel. 
I have done that before, thanks to you, and I really enjoyed that. That was good. <laughs> I'm just really sad I'm not there with you. One, to see the Longhorns advance, and two, for us to spend some time at some great Kansas City restaurants. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I, I appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing you down the road. And we'll do this again next week as we uh, get on in, because I know we're going to do these uh, uh, weekly uh, major league conversations. So as we get on the home stretch of spring training, uh, we'll look forward to it. And look forward to getting you back in town. I appreciate it, Gino. Okay, Craig. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. That's Gene Watson, assistant general manager of the Kansas City Royals. His vote is for Jack Stack, and he's a guy that uh, – works in this town <laughs> so there you go all right uh we need a break uh coming up we'll have our second hour long we also have a flex 30 update we're gonna get that we have our second hour uh, longhorn notebook coming up as well also want to remind you that the golf tour of central texas powered by callahan's general store is back and this month we're shining the spotlight on the historic austin country club it was founded in 1899 one of the oldest existing clubs in texas home to one of the greatest golf instructors who ever lived, Harvey Pinnock. And, of course, uh, the, the original Austin Country Club is where Hancock is uh, right now. It's also the home of the 2023 Dell Match Play happening through the weekend. You can take a tour with Aaron Hogan and golf pro Omari Oresti as they take in a few holes, admire the Austin skyline, and then take a deep dive into Austin Country Club. Visit hornfm.com and click on the Golf Tour of Central Texas tab, thanks to Callahan's General Store. We'll continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. With family and friends, Hot Cat Tequila's breast served cold for a quick round of shots or a sip on the rocks. So visit cattequila.com to find a store near you that sells Hot Cat Tequila or to find a bar near you that serves Hot Cat Tequila. Toast and turn up with Hot Cat Tequila. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Okay, uh, time for a Flex 30 update. Um, Cam, you're still slated to call uh, Round Rock against Stony Point tonight, right? The 4-0-25-6-A district leading Round Rock Dragons. That's correct. Nice. Okay. So that that is coming up tonight. That's that's certainly a keep your eye on. Another thing, congratulations. Going out, the UIL Sponsor Excellence Awards have just been uh, passed out. The winners selected by a panel of judges across the state. Uh, this is kind of uh, a little bit like your uh, Director's Cup thing, but this is in the areas of academics, athletics, and music from nominations submitted by school principals and superintendents across the state. This has been going on for 32 years. And uh, here are your uh, your award winners, first of all. Uh, and there's there's several of them out of the greater Houston area. Uh, Evelyn Torres from Fort Bend Ridge Point. Sandy Spears from Gladewater Union Grove out in East Texas. Wendy Pratt from down in Corpus Christi in that area. Tolosa Midway. David Pike from Marcus High in the Louisville School District over in Flower Mound. John Pierce out in Mason. And uh, the UIL Academic Coordinator at Mason the past eight years. Uh, Heather Oliveras from Moulton High School in South Central Texas. Robbie Moreno from uh, Corpus Christi, London. Rick Miller from Grapevine. Stephanie Kremps from Munster uh, up along uh, the Red River. Kimberly Irwin in the the, uh, Panhandle at Groover. David Gardner from Corpus Christi Ray. Christopher Fiorni from Bridgeland. 
Audrey Cravens from Latexo, and uh, another one from Flower Mound, uh, Brent Biscup, and from Salado High School, Corey Baird, who has been the head cross-country coach at Salado for the uh, last eight years. She's been coaching high school athletics for 24 years, led her teams to three appearances in the state meet, also coached one of her runners to the 4A girls individual title. Salado's captured four straight district titles. So congratulations to uh, Corey Baird of Salado. Each winner receives $1,000 and a symbolic memento from the UIL in recognition of their outstanding achievements in the pursuit of educational excellence through interscholastic competition. So there's your Flex 30 update for today. All right, right now it is time for our second hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. A Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Jeffrey joins us now from across town, and I'm so glad we got the mystery of Jabari Rice's shoes uh, solved <laughs> so folks can take, you know, a lot of uh, relief in that, knowing that he did it simply because his LeBron's made his feet hurt. You know, a lot of guys don't think about that kind of stuff. Uh, you, you know, when, when the, the, the layman of us, they go, oh, it's a brand new pair of sneakers, brand new pair of sneakers. But I've had Rob Lazar, the equipment manager, tell me. I've had athletic trainers tell me, you know, with regard to orthotics and a lot of these guys, the, the shoes, you know, all shoes are, are not created equal and they're, and they're not all alike. Some are different and some just feel different on feet. I think we've all felt that with certain kinds of shoes. But for guys whose feet are so important to their success on the floor, it's a big thing. So at least we know that about uh, Jabari. He's going back to the to the, to uh, the multicolored, right? Is, it, yeah, is that right? Got to have them things broken in, Craig. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True enough. Um, okay. What do you have for us during the uh, – you have something else that you were going to get to us uh, during this hour of the notebook, correct? Yeah. You know, actually, this was for the uh, flex segment, so I caught up with Dylan DeSue in the locker room and uh, – Cam, is this, this going to be a one cut or two? Cam, I should ask you this before we got back on. But. The flex one is by itself. The brother is a separate one. Okay. So I, okay. I, I well, misunderstood. Just, I knew about the brother both, thing. Yeah. I didn't know about the flex one. Okay. So that's good. Got a little crossover here from flex to notebook. Go ahead. Yeah. We'll just do it right here. We caught up with Dylan DeSue. Just asked him to uh, share his, uh, you know, any kind of memory, his favorite memory from Hendrickson. Give a shout out to his alma mater. And also asked him about, uh, his his brother Aiden, who's a, a prospect at uh, at Hayes, dealt with some injury issues, but had a pretty good year for the Hawks. So uh, yeah, caught up with Dylan to see yesterday about both those things. Well, shout out to Hendrickson first of all. You know, love love the Hawks. Um, I think probably one of my best memories at Hendrickson was uh, my junior year. Uh, we had we my freshman year that team wasn't very good. I was um, between varsity and freshman. Uh, we didn't win too many games, um, but those guys really laid the foundation for what was to come. My sophomore year, we finished second in district to Pflugerville. Really heartbreaking. We lost in the district championship game last game of the season. Um, but my junior year, we actually played Pflugerville again for the district. Um, at the end of the season at, at, at our house, and we actually got that done. And so that's probably one of my best memories, just um, kind of turning Hendrickson basketball around and um, making it in somewhere where, you know, guys expect to win and not hope to win. Yeah, so that was him talking about getting the Hendrickson program right. And then again, uh, I asked him about his brother Aiden, and uh, we kind of got into uh, it, it, it gradually, as you can, as you know, Craig, growing up with brothers, and I grew up with brothers that, uh, 
it turned from from praising the sibling to talking about a little bit of a sibling rivalry. Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean he's been hurt a little bit uh, the last the last couple months or the, the months before the season, so that was hard because you know I've been through that and I I don't want him to have to go through that. So it's been great to be able to see him healthy and playing well. Um, but you know he's still not better than me yet, so maybe one day. When's the last time y'all played one on one? I don't think we've ever really played one on one for real. Uh, I don't get to see him too often, but um, he would not beat me. I will tell you that he will not beat me. I'm guessing he could he could not stop the push. No, no, of course not. But no, it wouldn't be too many push shots. It'd be a lot of dunks. So there you go. It's a little, a little sibling rivalry right there. But no, like I said in the first hour, Craig, this is a team that's relaxed. Uh, they're loose, and you know, talking about the uh, the matchup with Xavier tonight. The, the other thing I was looking at, Craig. You know, when I I look at teams, you know, I know I sound like a broken record, but when I look at teams that can give Texas problems. Uh, the two things I really go to, man, how are you at getting to the foul line? Can you get free throw differential in your favor? Uh, because we've seen that kind of get wonky for Texas. And how are you on the glass? Uh, Xavier's a top 25 team in the country in rebounding margin. They're plus five and a half per game on the year, uh, but not a great offensive rebounding team. You know, they're, they average about, you know, right around 10 offensive rebounds a game. Uh, they're a really good defensive rebounding team. So, Texas on the offensive glass tonight. Can you just not get overwhelmed? Uh, can you hold your own on the glass? And then when you look at, uh, you start looking at free throws, Xavier's a top 100 team in the country. They're averaging almost 20 free throws per game. So keep an eye on the foul situation tonight for Texas, especially anytime you're dealing with a seven-footer uh, and you've got a guy in Hunter who's been really good for them at times. Uh, you know, anytime you're dealing with a, a kind of a size disadvantage, you always worry about DeSue and Bishop uh, and even Timmy Allen, Timmy said Brock Cunningham getting in foul trouble, letting those fouls run up. So those two statistical areas, Craig, that I always track, I think those are pivotal tonight. I don't think Texas necessarily has to win them, but you can't lose either one in a landslide or you'll probably find yourself late in the game in the second half trying to stave off some trouble. Yeah, yeah, uh, at least uh, hold your own in that department and and don't have a big slide on that, no doubt about that. Um, Jeff, there's a big baseball series uh, this weekend between the Longhorns and the Red Raiders. Uh, Big 12 Conference opening series for Texas. Texas Tech has won uh, won two or three at home against uh, Oklahoma State last weekend, so they've kind of gotten a jump on things. And and really and truly, um, home field – kind of bared its teeth last weekend. Baylor had been struggling, but the Bears took two out of three against Kansas State. And Oklahoma took two out of three from TCU and knocked TCU from the national rankings. And and then, of course, uh, Texas Tech beating Oklahoma State. So those are things, and we've talked about uh, protecting the home field and all of that. I, I should let you know, I don't know you, if you have seen this or heard this yet, but um, – Word is kind of filtering down that one of the Red Raiders' best relievers, their junior right-hander, Brandon Beckel, will not be available this weekend, that he, in fact, received a four-game suspension. Uh, the dugouts were worn last Sunday. He was down in the bullpen warming up and then uh, pointed at a hitter and told him to sit down after he struck him out. And it was an NCA rule, and uh, – uh, after he was ejected, and he's not available for the for the weekend series. In fact, it was a a uh, 
a four-game suspension. Wow. Now, he, now he's not their closer, um, but but Tim Tadlock's used a lot of different guys, and he is one of their better ones. He is three and zero with a one point oh seven WHIP and a zero six four ERA. So he's really really good, and they, and they can use him in closing situations. He doesn't have a he uh, he doesn't have a save this season. They've got Andrew Devine and they got some other guys as well. But that's still that's a that's a pretty significant piece missing from the Tech lineup tonight and for the weekend series apparently. Yeah, yeah, and when uh, when you're talking about a three game weekend series, you're going to get pretty deep into that book. So whether whether you've got the closer tag on you or not, or the stopper as Texas will call it. Yeah, you were going to be used at some point. The thing for me, Craig, in this deal, and then look, we've seen the bats come along for Texas in this 11 game winning streak. I really want to see how much David Pierce utilizes the short game this weekend. Because the one thing, when you look statistically, you know, playing in Danlaw Field with the wind blowing out, you know, it's, it's a typical Tim Tab like Texas Tech team. They're going to score a lot of runs, the power numbers are going to be there. But, Craig, they are number 244 nationally coming into the weekend in team fielding percent, 956 in team fielding percent. So does David Pierce utilize a short game? And those guys at the top of the lineup, towards the top of the lineup, Eric Kennedy, Billy Campbell, your guys that, that can really do a number in the running game and put pressure on our opposing staff. Those guys getting on base is going to be pivotal. And, and I, I've got to think, you know, just knowing how – Coach Pierce naturally is just wanting to put pressure on people, wanting to try to steal bases, wanting to force the issue. Uh, you got to feel if they get some of their speed guys on base, uh, the bunt game will be in play, the hit and run will be in play. So that's one thing that, that I'll be checking to see this weekend is, is if Texas can get guys on base, get their speed guys on base, and then really try to mess with whoever's on the mound for Tech and give them a lot to think about while those guys are on the base pass. There you go. All right, there's our uh... – Longhorn Notebook for this hour. Hey, I'll see you over at the arena in a little while for this thing tonight. Yeah, I'm going to try to head over there, get there for the start of uh, Houston, Miami, and then hopefully, you know, Craig, I love March basketball, but this is the one game where I'm praying there's no overtime so we can get as close to that 845 as possible. <laughs> I hear you. All right. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Uh, Jeff Powell with our Longhorn Notebook uh, this hour. We'll be back to wrap it up. Uh, Before we do, uh, I do want to remind you that Rodeo Austin is closing this weekend. If you haven't made it out, now's the time. Pro Rodeo action is there. And, of course, live music and carnival and the petting zoo and festival foods and the 100X Club. So visit rodeoaustin.org or Go to the concert calendar at hornfm.com. And um, also want to remind you, too, um, that you can win a pair of tickets, since we were talking basketball, uh, for either the men's or women's games there in Dallas and Houston. It's great thing about it next weekend is that they're they're both uh, within driving distance. You could win a pair of tickets for either uh, the women's event in Dallas or the men's event in Houston, courtesy of Centex Tickets. Sign up now at hornfm.com. These tickets do not include travel or lodging, and you must be 18 or older to enter and win, but you could possibly win tickets to men's or women's with the big games going on in Dallas and Houston. We'll be back to wrap it up here on Light the Tower on the Horn. Well, that's going to wrap it up from here in Kansas City. A couple of programming reminders. Remember, uh, Longhorn softball today on 105 through the bat, 415 airtime, 430 first pitch from McCombs Field against Texas Tech. And 
Even though there's rain going through the area, it's pushed to clear out time. So, so far, the schedule was holding intact for both softball and baseball. Longhorn baseball tonight at 7 o'clock, 30 minutes later than normal start time. 7 o'clock tonight, and it's a 6.45 air time, and you can hear that on AM 1260 and 101.9 FM. Of course, we have Longhorn basketball here on the Horn on 104.9 with an 8.30 air time for that one. Tip-off is probably going to be right around 9 o'clock. Texas against Xavier in the Sweet 16. Thanks to Gene Watson who joined us on the program. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Cam Parker. We invite you to stay tuned. Coming up next, Chad and Zay and former co-host Jeff Howell and Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We'll visit with you back in Austin on Monday on Light the Tower. <laughs>